This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And now we're continuing our Medeka series, interviewing people who are trying to make our country a better place and asking them, what are your hopes for Malaysia? Today, we are focusing on mental health. So I think there has definitely been an increased awareness on the importance of mental health over uh, especially the course of the last few years, right? Uh, we've been hearing a lot about it being um, the silent pandemic. We've heard that uh, quite often. And this is something that's even being acknowledged by the authorities, the health ministry in particular. For instance, last year, October, Health Minister Kari Jamaluddin launched the National Mental Health Strategic Plan 2020 to 2025, which is a long-term policy provided to improve the country mental health services. And during the launch, he spoke about the need to not just create awareness, but also to remove stigma around the idea of seeking help when it comes to mental health. Um, Kyrie also said that the ministry is doing a detailed study on the setup of the National Centre of Excellence for Mental Health to minimise service gaps and further strengthen the delivery of mental health services within the community. Um, So this is just, I think, the uh, perhaps a, a long-awaited acknowledgement that mental health is increasingly important and increasingly that it needs to be treated with the same gravity and uh, same emphasis as we do, quote-unquote, physical health. Yes, and there are also very real gaps, right? If we're talking about minimising service gaps, then actually just the, if we look purely at the amount of people or specialists who are actually able to deal with it. According to Health DG Tansri Dr. Norhisham Abdullah, um, there are about 500 psychiatrists in Malaysia and the ratio is roughly therefore one psychiatrist for every 100,000 people, which is just, I mean, if Mm. you really think about it, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, And we're talking about this also not just at a time where there's a growing awareness, but also where there's a growing need because the 2019 National Health and Morbidity Survey did show that nearly half a million Malaysians experienced symptoms of depression. The report also found that uh, over 400,000 children experienced issues with mental health. 683 suicide cases were reported as well from January to July last year, and that's an increase of uh, 143% compared with the same period in the previous year. So across the board, there are clear issues with mental health that need addressing. And that's before we even get to talking about how, for example, going to therapy could perhaps be regarded as exercise for your mental health in much the same way as, well, exercise is, you know, exercise for your physical health. So there are gaps. There are gaps in immediate or uh, crisis situations. There are also gaps just in day-to-day mental health. So that's what we're focusing on. uh, And we're going to be speaking with somebody who works in the field to explore what's happening and also ask, well, what are your hopes for Malaysia in this area? In the meantime, though, as always, we want to hear from you. Do you think there is enough awareness of mental health in our country? What would you like to see done to make it better? You can call us 7733-2900, WhatsApp, or send us a voice note at 018-789-8899. 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Sarah Zehan, clinical psychologist. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Be free-minded. BFM 89.9. 
It is 5.12 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We are continuing our Medeka series in the lead up to the day itself, of course, interviewing people who are trying to make our country a better place, asking them, what are your hopes for Malaysia? Today, our focus is going to be on mental health and the people working in trying to make that better in our country. So we'd like to hear from you. Is there enough awareness of mental health in general in Malaysia? What would you like to see done to make it better? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. If you would like to send us a voice note or a WhatsApp, you can do so at 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. In the meantime, joining us is clinical psychologist Sarah Zahan. Sarah, uh, Good to have you with us. So let's start with this. How long have you been a clinical psychologist and what initially drew you to this field? Um, I've been a clinical psychologist for six years now, right? But I've been in mental health for 11 years. Um, I started off as an assistant psychologist in 2011, uh, where I worked under a psychiatrist who I still work with today. Um, I was drawn to mental health since I was 12 years old, actually. Um, So I grew up being quite sensitive myself, um, but also really sensitive to the people around me. Um, So I could see people struggling, um, being misunderstood, you know, being called labels like problem child, naughty, right, crazy, emotional, right, when I think people have just been through life, you know, like really normal day-to-day things like family problems or whether they, you know, they were going through divorce or they had parents who were going through divorce. Uh, they had parents who, who were not around to take care of them, uh, right? So I, I thought that it was just kind of normal challenges that I think everyone goes through. Uh, but you can see, you know, my, whether it was my peers or, uh, you know, relatives, people I knew that were just being unnecessarily and unhelpfully labeled. And of course, you know, being a preteen at the time, I used to watch like American shows. And I wondered, you know, how come shrinks were not as common or available here like it is on TV? So on that note, then tell us a bit about the work that you do. So I do a little bit of everything. Um I'm really passionate about the cause. So I provide therapy, right? So I work with individuals, um, adults, as well as teenagers and their families. Um, I also give talks and workshops to corporations, um, to community groups, schools, and I also train um, clinical psychology trainees. Where do you think we are in our perception and understanding of mental health and how important it is? So I think there's really so much growth compared to before. I think, you know, even back then, like 2011, 2012, um, the only sort of safe way to talk about mental health is to talk about stress, right? Um, but these days, people are really more willing to open up about disorders like depression, anxiety. There's a bit more open conversation about suicide, Uh, You know, there's a lot of recognition, especially because, um, you know, NGOs, um, our government have been shouting out that same message of, you know, one in three or one in four people experience mental health difficulties, right? So it's that understanding of it can happen to anyone um, that I think people are more accepting of nowadays. So even in schools, they're doing mental health screeners. So even our young ones are more aware 
of depression and anxiety. Um, but of course, you know, this, this awareness, it still seems like it's very much in larger cities and um, especially in English-speaking communities. So it might be a little hard to generalize, but from your observation, what sorts of services or help is most needed? So I think having access to mental health care, you know, that that reaches different community groups, um, I think that's what's needed right now. Um, you know, so like I was saying, um, you know, the awareness and access is largely in, you know, main cities and English speaking communities, uh, whereas even in other states, you know, in other towns, um, people may not have adequate access. So I think that's what needs to be done. Um, you know, if, if I could, I would love to, you know, uh, be able to, to travel to rural areas um, to do more community outreach work to talk about mental health and to spread awareness. And, you know, lack of access is something that we often talk about, right? We always go back to this 2018 study that showed that Malaysia only has one psychiatrist for every 100,000 people. What should we actually be aiming for? I think ideally we need like five times that amount. So probably one to, to 20,000, um, especially if there is a huge need. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, it's not just about the number. So, you know, in KL and PJ, there are lots of uh, mental health care services, um, even like the local clinics like Mantari. I think PJ has three, whereas you might find that other states may not have one at all or only have one. Right. Um, so I think that's that's what we should be aiming for, you know, um, having a, a good distribution. So then what are the barriers to providing quality mental health care in more rural areas? Um, I think, number one, I think lack of government allocation, probably. Right? I'm not sure if it's a supply-demand issue um, where perhaps because there might be lack of awareness or more stigmatization in terms of mental health, uh, they may not see a need to provide services there. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that is something that um, NGOs uh, can work on with our government and policymakers to, to have more access for rural areas. You mentioned earlier that you're a supervisor for clinical psychologist trainees. From your perspective, are you seeing a growth in interest or take up that aligns with the general increasing awareness of mental health? Yes, definitely. I mean, even back then, uh, a lot of people, you know, my peers, we all did degree in psychology together. We were all interested in psychology. But because the mental health field was so underdeveloped, I think it seemed like a huge risk to get into clinical psychology or counseling. Right. But now that uh, more people are aware, you know, you see schools, uh, companies talking about mental health, people are feeling more encouraged to pursue it for their career. And getting more students is one thing. There is, of course, the task of ensuring that they're properly and adequately trained. What are the challenges here? And do you think that enough is being done? Um, well, I think what could be better is perhaps, uh, you know, expanding what we teach or the, the kind of things that we 
the syllabus perhaps that we provide in training our psychologists, uh, because for the longest time, there were only two universities that provided training, especially for clinical psychology. So what you find is that the people who graduated from a said university would then continue on to teach and supervise there, and they will teach what they had been taught, right? So then you have uh, you know, a group of people who, who only know perhaps this one thing or to do therapy in this one way, right? But what I was really thankful of um, in my experience uh, when I was doing my master's was that we had lecturers from different countries. So they practiced different orientation, different type of therapy. They had different exposures. Uh, so they taught us different things, um, you know? So I think that's something that we, we should be aiming for, uh, having a, a variety, a wider scope of knowledge uh, is something I think that, that we definitely need to, to start with. On that then, what are the more known therapies available in Malaysia and which areas need to be developed further? So, so the main one that I think is a, you know, compulsory for, for most psychologists to, to be trained in is uh, CBT, which is Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, right? So there's psychoanalysis, which uh, perhaps some people might be familiar uh, with Freud and thinking about um, things like our unconscious, right? So that area of psychology is, you know, very sort of niche in Malaysia. There's also, of course, family therapy, which I think is such an important aspect, especially for us, because, you know, we're so close-knit with our families. Uh, I think even our youth, we still live with our families until we get married, right? Then we live with another family. Um, so, that's something that's really important that unfortunately um, there's not enough training in. So right now, because of how expensive therapy can be, mental health care is seen as, uh, I suppose, a luxury rather than a necessity. Do you see this changing in the long term? Yes, actually I do. Um, I really do appreciate the effort that's being taken. Um, you know, even our government, uh, I think, or was it last year in the in the budget tabling um, that we can file for what's it called relief tax relief right for mental health screening uh, so that's definitely you know a step forward and I think now even insurance companies are slowly uh, considering add-ons for for mental health, whether it's screening or for therapy. So that's that's something that's just starting up now. So I do see this changing where people will have more access. Uh, but again, you know, uh, hopefully there will be more allocation for therapists or psychologists in our government clinics and hospitals, because I think this this is really important. As we all know, Malaysia's population is so very diverse in terms of ethnicity, race, religion, socioeconomic backgrounds. Uh, what are some ways to ensure more inclusivity in mental health care services? Well, I think uh, more needs to be done. And, and this, I don't know whether it's in you know academic settings where we need to translate our syllabus you know, to, to different languages. Uh, because right now, you know, when we talk about mental health or when we talk about mental health care, it's, again, our, our syllabus, the type of knowledge that's out there is in English, right? So 
obviously not everyone in Malaysia um, is English speaking. So I think more needs to be done to translate things to Malay, to Mandarin, to Tamil, right? Um, so that there is more inclusivity in mental health care. So even this morning, I did my first mental health talk um, in Malay, right? So a lot of work was needed to, to translate again because so much of the resources that's available um, are in English. And, you know, it's something as simple as the images or the memes that's out there that talks about mental health, uh, you know, to the really technical things that we talk about. So are there existing programs or avenues that are creating more access and awareness of mental health that you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, well, I can't think of one in particular, but right now there are a lot of universities uh, like Help, Taylors, um, Sunway, who because they are training psychology students and counseling students, they are providing online therapy for at for a much more affordable rate, right? So this is something that, you know, I think prior to the pandemic is a service that was not available, right? And I think when things can be done online, we can reach out to a lot more people uh, because then they don't have to worry about transportation or, you know, leaving the house, especially if they have children and things like that. I think you can do a, a search and see that there are a lot of um, online services available nowadays. And what do you think about the incorporation of tech to increase accessibility? Because it's at quite an early stage, but is there potential for it to be really effective in the future? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, I think, you know, one positive aspect of, of the pandemic that it's uh, forced people to, to really seek out for help. And it's also made uh, practitioners, you know, more open to tech. Right, more open to doing video calls or chat or using a chat platform, you know, which I think before this, there was some, you know, like rigidity where therapy is meant to be done face to face. You need to have that personal touch. Um, but when we can kind of open our minds up to doing things a little differently, you know, especially when there is a need uh, I think so far the response has been has been really encouraging because not only do people have more access uh, because, you know, you just need to log into your phone to meet your therapist, um, but there are also um, some mental health service providers who use just a chat platform where if for whatever reason, um, you know, you find it hard to, to, to talk to others, where you find chatting easier or perhaps you need uh, more regular coaching where you might not need like, you know, a whole hour of therapy, but you just need kind of that encouragement, one message a day. I know those services are available. Um, and I think that's, that's been really great. Sarah, in closing, what's your hope for Malaysia when it comes to mental health care? Uh, well, I hope that we will continue, you know, to stay on this track to develop mental health care. Um, I hope that there will not only be less stigma, but there will, you know, be concrete action plans where mental health care will be part of, you know, SOP. For example, getting coverage for mental health screening is something that most 
corporations and companies will provide, um, that corporations will have EAP services, that when people, you know, go through procedures um, at the hospital or when uh, a woman gets pregnant, uh, you know, therapy is part of the service that's provided. A mental health screening is something that's, you know, automatically done. That's my hope. Sarah, thanks for speaking with us. That was clinical psychologist Sarah Zahan, who is part of our Hope for Malaysia uh, Medica series in which we ask people working and advocating in our country to make it better, what their hopes are. And uh, of course, our focus today was on mental health. So we'd like to hear from you. Basically, do you think there is enough awareness of mental health in Malaysia and what would you like to see done to make it better? You can call us 7733-2900, WhatsApp or send us a voice note at 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Just briefly, a point of clarification uh, because Margaret is asking, what is the difference between a clinical psychologist and a psychiatrist? Can the former prescribe medications? So a psychiatrist uh, is a doctor, essentially. A and medical only doctor. A medical doctor. And a psychiatrist can prescribe medication, whereas a clinical psychologist cannot. However, a clinical psychologist still needs to be registered and licensed to be able to take on patients. So I uh, hope that helps, Margaret. Or clients, I think, would be the more yes. accurate term. Yes. Um, so hope that helps, Margaret. And let us know, um, again, the question today is, is there enough awareness of mental health in Malaysia? What would you like to see done to make it better? Call us, WhatsApp us, voice note us, or tweet us. We'll be back. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.